0: Hi, my love. Hi my loves, welcome back to the podcast. My name is Deandre Nicolette and I am the host of Manifest Daily and today we are back here with a brand new episode. Y'all know how this goes. I am Super, super, super excited for this episode. I think you guys are gonna love it. I actually have had several conversations this week alone. Well, not this week, technically, technically it was like last week, but with you guys talking all about human design. So many of you out there are very interested in learning a little bit more about human design. Maybe you've come across it and you're curious and you're like, okay, I know my astrology, like my sun sign, my moon sign, my rising sign, What do I need to know about human design and what does it mean? And this episode is literally going to help you figure out all of that good stuff. And it's going to answer some of those questions for you who are diving into human design, who are new to human design and who want to learn how to implement human design learnings and teachings into not only your business, if you are an entrepreneur, but just your life in general, just like how to actually use this stuff and, and make it work for your life. So get excited for today's episode. I'm super, super, super excited for this one. So for today's episode, we're chatting with Crystal. Crystal is a former business coach turned human design specialist that helps entrepreneurs find effortless flow in their life and business through human design. She's also the host of the Magnetic Self podcast for spiritual entrepreneurs and has a YouTube channel dedicated to educating others about human design and the human design system in general. She's originally from Toronto, Canada, but is currently living in Barcelona, Spain with her husband and daughter. So Crystal and I actually had just the most magnificent amazing conversation all about human design. I've had a couple human design experts on the podcast before, and I'm sure if you guys are not new, if you guys are OG listeners to the podcast, you've heard these episodes before, but I really enjoyed this conversation with Crystal, not just because we were able to talk about human design, but we also really talked about specifically pivoting. And it's really interesting because as you guys heard in my little spiel or my intro about Crystal, she was previously a business coach and she turned into a human design specialist turned into, I feel like that sounds like she just like morphed, but essentially she kind of did morph and she followed her nudges and she followed her heart and she followed her intuition and that led her to human design. And we talk about that a little bit in our conversation, all about pivoting in business and not just pivoting in business, but pivoting in life as well. And how you can do that with grace and really allow yourself to be led by your intuition, led by your heart and not necessarily led by what you think you should be doing or what you think you need to be doing in order to make money, X, Y, and Z, all the the shoulds, hoods, and woulds out there. You know what I'm saying? So let's just go ahead and dive into this episode because as I am currently recording this, you guys, I have the heat going. I hope you guys can't hear it. I am hungry. Literally about to, after I finish editing this episode, dive into making a tuna melt for dinner. Y'all know I will give you the recipe, but you know. Actually, no. You know what? Should I just give y'all the recipe? Because listen, my tuna melts are delicious, honey. Okay? Listen, get you a potato roll. Okay, potato roll. Because listen, the potato rolls, they be having like a little sweetness, like a little butteriness to them. You know what I'm saying? Get you a little potato roll. Get you a packet of tuna, albacore, white tuna. Yes, ma'am. Okay. And then all you gotta do is like season up your tuna, whatever seasonings you like. I personally don't like mayo because, listen, mayo just like creeps me out. I have a thing with eggs like where I just don't prefer them, you know? And knowing that like eggs are in mayo just kind of grosses me out. And also the smell of mayo. If you love mayo, I, I mean, I love that for you, but I just personally don't gravitate towards it. Anyways, season up your tuna. Go ahead and butter your potato bread. Put it on like a skillet or like a pan or something like that. Have it toast and get it like nice and that caramelized brown color that we love when like butter is, uh, or bread is buttered and toasted. Put a little bit of sharp white, flip it first of all. Okay, so toast it on one side, flip it. Put a slice of sharp white cheddar. I love the Sargento sharp white cheddar slices. Whatever you prefer. If you're a pepper jack girl, Listen, do you think, okay, my partner is all into pepper jack. I'm like, I don't understand why. I mean, I like the the tangy spiciness of the peppers in it, but I feel like it just doesn't have enough of that bite, that sharp bite that cheddar has for me. Anyways, so melt your cheese, go ahead and take that off the pan, put your tuna on top, put a couple slices of avocado, avocado, salt, pepper, that little, the the slices, okay? And then some, maybe a little cayenne pepper, because we do like a little bit of spice in our life, and then top it off with the other side of the bud, and you have the perfect tuna mouth. It truly is delicious. My mouth is literally watering as I explain this to you, and I know some of you are, are like, I came here for the human design. Why are we talking about tuna mouths? Listen, it's all part of the story okay it's all there it's all weaved together somehow in in space and time okay so let's go ahead and dive into this conversation with me and crystal because it is truly juicy truly entertaining truly amazing go ahead and check her out um All of her stuff will be linked in the bio or the show notes, rather. Why am I saying bio? Because I'm thinking of Instagram, but it will be linked in the show notes if you want to check her out, if you want a reading, if you just want to work with her in any capacity or just want to follow her on Instagram to follow along with her journey, learning and teaching you guys about human design. And thank you so much, you guys, for tuning into this episode. I will chat with you, of course, next week. But let's go ahead and, like I said, dive into this conversation with me and Chris. Hi,
1: Crystal. How are you today? Hey, Deandra. I'm really, really good. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yes, of course. I am so excited for this conversation. I think it comes at such a perfect time because I've actually I feel like I've been talking about human design a little bit more on Instagram and I've had people like DMing me, asking me about like human design, like having these human design conversations with me. So I'm like, "Oh my god, this is literally the perfect time to have another human design expert on the podcast." So, let's go ahead and just dive into like all the juicy tea for everyone listening. Can you tell us a bit about who you are and what you do in your business?
1: Yeah, for sure. So, first of all, my name is Crystal Alfaro. Um, I'm originally from Toronto, and I'm currently living in Barcelona with my husband and my daughter. And I am a Human Design teacher and guide and host of the Magnetic Self podcast. And what I do is I really just help entrepreneurs understand their unique energetic blueprint through the Human Design system, so that they can learn to really. Call in that success and fulfillment with so much more ease and flow. And I do that by first interpreting their human design chart, which tells them really all about their unique essence and gifts that they were imprinted with to share with the world. And then second, by really providing them with the practical tools offered by human design to Learn to manage their energy efficiently and really operate from their authentic state of being. So, like their higher self, their true self, so that they can create and live their most authentic life.
0: Oh my gosh, that is awesome! I love that, and I am such a fan of Human Design. So, I have been super interested in your content um, since you switched over to Human.
1: Design. Oh, thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I've always been interested in your content. I love your energy, and I feel like that's something that just obviously stays consistent no matter what you're doing but I think I've noticed that since you kind of started doing the human design teachings and started to dive into that like you're glowing it's like you're doing oh thank your you so much There, yeah and it's really awesome to see just from like an outsider perspective and obviously not having you know like your inner thoughts and stuff like that that led you to that but I am curious and I kind of want to dive into that for a little bit what, um, for the, to give a little context for those listening who may not be familiar with you and your page, can you tell us about what you were doing before you decided to jump into human design teachings and what was the catalyst that made you actually decide to shift your focus in your business to human design?
1: Yeah, so, um, I originally started off as a business coach specifically, um, covering personal branding. And, you know, there are two main reasons why I decided to make that switch to human design. Um, Number one being, first of all, human design is what transformed my life and really the way that I did business. And I wanted to share that with other people because, you know, we're kind of conditioned to believe that there's only one way of doing things. And we don't learn to really trust ourselves as the most important authority when it comes to making decisions with our business. So it really helps you get back to that. And then really the second, and this is probably the main reason why I decided to pivot and you can tell by the energy that I put into it now. And it's really, you know, my previous niche was totally out of alignment with who I was, what I love to speak about, what I was passionate about and really where I envisioned myself in the future. And I felt that doing business coaching and personal branding Um, I was doing it not because I loved it, but because it was more, you know, quote unquote, logical for me, because I had experience with e-commerce business. And also because I thought that that's kind of what I had to do to be profitable as a coach in the online space. And I was just, you know, approaching my business and my niche the wrong way. And it reflected in my work and in my ability to show up. And I was not coming at it from a really, you know, a heart centered place at all. And you know, what it was that I really loved to do and what I was passionate about was exploring the unknown, you know, the metaphysical, like pretty much all the stuff that you talk about, the spiritual, the subconscious mind and energy, and even personality wise, like I am a Sagittarius, true Sagittarius to a T, like I'm a truth seeker, a lifelong learner, deep thinker, I love to see like different patterns and different philosophies and how everything interconnects. And this is how I wanted to serve people to help others get back to themselves and really discover their own truth. And that's really how I want to do my part in raising collective consciousness in a way that I was good at and felt authentic and good to me. And I realized that human design was that perfect way for me to do that. It was, you know, this practical system that allowed me to really explore a lot of these different spiritual concepts, yet also have a tangible way to really facilitate this. (laughs) I was going to say confirmation, but this transformation for other people. And I would honestly like obsess over it anyways. Like, you know, how we just kind of dig into astrology and dig into like all these different modalities. Like this was the one thing that I would obsess about over like on the side, aside from my business. So it just made sense for me to just go that path. And I just ended up diving in.
0: I love that. And I think that it's really cool that you decided to kind of infuse that into your business, even before you, you know, knew it would essentially become your business. And I have a similar journey as well with sort of like the business coaching background and very, very similar to you. It's like, just having the experience right it's it's like you know how to start a business you know how to grow yeah you know those specific like nuances and details that frankly not everyone knows and so it almost seemed more logical to kind of like go in that path and be like okay i know business so like might as well teach business because yeah that would be profitable and i've totally seen you know, want Instagram kind of like the boom of the business coach industry and the online business coaching industry specifically. And and that's the thing, like you see all these people talking about like, you know, I started my business as a business coach and I made six figures in like six months. And it's like they tell and sell the story essentially.
1: Oh, I got drawn in, totally. Oh my
0: God, (laughs) I feel like everyone at one point who kind of in this like online space got drawn into that. But I love that you didn't let it keep you there because there are people who let it, keep like they stay in that space, even if they don't necessarily feel like that's their authentic space to be in. And Mm -hmm. I love that you were able to kind of, you know, take that, um, take that step and decide to go in the path of human design, even if it wasn't quote unquote, the most logical thing. But I think by following the things that you're authentically drawn to you do naturally help to raise the the collective consciousness of the planet and those in your community because people see you doing things that are authentic to you they can feel it even if they don't necessarily know what it is like they can't pinpoint and like name it they can feel that energy from you so I really love that you were able to sort of take that step and say you know what like this thing is calling to me and I'm just gonna explore it like let's see thank you (laughs) yeah it's it's really awesome it's again really cool to just see it from an outside perspective and see that journey. So we have been talking about human design for like probably like five minutes already and we haven't even like you know gotten into what it is and that's because we've talked about this on the podcast before but I really want you to give us your perspective. For those who are tuning in for the first time or maybe they're tuning and they haven't listened to another human design episode, can you tell us what human design is and what the types are?
1: Yeah, for sure. So, I guess in the most basic sense, human design is essentially your specific user manual for how to operate in this world based off of your energetic design. So, just to kind of give you a comparison, whereas astrology in your natal chart, for anyone who's familiar with that, that gives you a snapshot of your life, whereas human design teaches you how to navigate life in the most optimal and authentic way for you. So, it's like how you operate. And so you know, going back to the official definition, it's really, you know, that system for self-discovery and personal growth. And it's a synthesis of both ancient and modern sciences. So from astrology, the Chinese I Ching, the Kabbalah, the chakra system and and quantum physics and each of these parts really tell you something about your unique essence, or in other words, you know, your authentic self and who you are at the deepest level. And the idea in human design is that we are all different. Therefore the way that we do things and really manifest things into our life should also look different. And so human design really acts as that permission slip and that cheat sheet to doing things in ways that are authentic to you. And In human design, there are five different aura types, or you can also call them energy types. And sorry. And so it starts with, first of all, the generators in manifesting generators who make up 67% of the population. And these are known to be those great builders. And the ones that have that energy and endurance, like they have sacral energy, which really gives them that workforce. Um, ability to really work those long hours. And the difference between generators and manifesting generators is that generators are, you know, that's the variation itself. Manifesting generators are a type of generator. And the difference being that manifestors tend to be a little bit more impatient and tend to move a little bit faster. So their gift is more on the efficiency side, whereas generators tend to be able to master that one skill throughout their lifetime. And so projectors are the next uh, aura type that I wanted to get into, and this is you and I, of course, <laughs> and you know we yes. make up Shout around projectors, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so we make up around twenty percent of humanity, and we are the guides, you know, the ones that are insightful and intuitive and have this kind of bird's eye view of how things can be and, you know, the potential that we can really bring where we are now. And then next we have our manifestors, which make up around 9% of the population. And these are the initiators. So manifestors have a very powerful presence in aura, and they're here to really impact, to go out there, create the things that they want to create, make that impact. And that's really what's important for them. And then lastly, we have our reflectors who make up less than 1% of the population, and I like to call these the the mirrors, and they really reflect back to us how we're doing as a society, and they're very sensitive and very wise, and so that's kind of just a high-level overview of the five different or types that you can find in human design.
0: Yes, and Okay, so love that. I think one of the things that I'm curious about, and I'm like, I don't even know when this would fit in the conversation, <laughs> but <laughs> I am so curious about this. And I think this is gonna be when we, you know, dive into um to the makeup of like the types a little bit more. But one of the things that you mentioned for manifestors or the difference between manifesting generators and generators is that impatience. And I'm curious if like that has to do with the Um, is it called the sacral chakra in human design?
1: The the sacral center. Um so the actual, that's what it is. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Oh, so yeah, I mean the fast moving part of them that impatience tends to come from that manifestor side of them. And so what makes a manifestor a manifestor is the fact that they have a what we call a motor. So there's four different types of motors in human design. And so they have that motor connection directly to the throat. And so when they have that, that tends to give them that like little, I don't know how to describe it like that oomph. And that's what kind of makes them want to move a little bit quicker. And they also tend to be the more multi-passionate type. So they have all these different urges and they want to go in all these different directions. And so, yeah, it's really that manifester characteristic that brings them that that impatience and that urge to want to do all these different things.
0: Yeah, it's so wild because when I hear you describe a manifesting generator in that way, a part of me is like, I literally have run my type through the thing, asked my mom my birth time like a million different times because I'm like, am I a manifesting generator? And I think yes. it kind of goes back to, and you might be able to kind of like shed some insight on this.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, projectors often mistyping themselves or possibly yep. <laughs> thinking that they're another type because I have this thing where I will get like, Really excited about an idea, and then I can just like work like crazy, right? And I don't know when to stop, or I will like essentially drive myself to burnout very easily because sometimes I can just like work, 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 and I don't necessarily have that, you know, like I should stop or like I'm getting tired until I'm at the point where I've overworked myself and now I'm just like sick and I'm burnt out, you know what I mean? Or like the multi passionate yeah. piece as well. So, how would you? describe that? Is that just kind of like a projector trait as well? Or is that, you know, the, the consequence of a projector mistyping themselves or basically trying to grab on to other um, traits of other types?
1: Mm -hmm. I think you pretty much nailed it with the mistyping. Like it's very, very common for projectors to think that they're manifesting generators because yes, again, projectors are also those multi-passionate types and they tend to move you know, quickly when they have the energy. But the thing is that they don't have that sacral energy. So they don't have that consistent, um, that consistent ability to be able to work those long hours. So depending on, you know, who you're around or, uh, the planetary positions at the time, you could actually be operating similar to a manifesting generator. But the thing is, we don't have that consistent energy. So we don't really have a good gauge on when is when enough is enough. Like, (laughs) that's why we tend to burn out really quickly. And so really, the difference being that projectors, although we have different urges as well, we just don't have the ability to keep up with all those things.
0: Mm, okay, so that makes more sense. And then even the part where you said that it also depends on the planetary movements. I think that also struck a chord with me because I know I always talk about this um, on Instagram, but my Mars is in an Aries and that's kind of like my whole like, that's why I move so quick and I'm so yeah. <laughs> but I think there was something where... I think Mars went like direct or something the other day, or there was something happening with Mars and Aries and like the planetary movement. So that could possibly <laughs> maybe, um, have something to do with my recent like quick movement, this quick movement. Yeah, for sure. There's definitely like on things. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like there's definitely other um, factors that would come into play, like the different gates, like the specific energies that you have in your chart and also, um, yeah, like if you go back to astrology, like those specific characteristics that that might make you different than someone else. So there's definitely a lot of nuances that come into play as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And again, I love that because I think that's kind of one of those things where, again, we have like these main types, but then like you're saying, even breaking that down further, there are the gates. And then there's also like your actual astrology. And then it's like, you can dive into so many different pieces of it to understand yourself. So obviously getting a reading done by someone like yourself is very, very key. If you want to understand your chart and understand your type in a in a more detailed way. Um, so I love that. And Really curious now, I want to kind of switch gears into authorities and kind of talk about that, because that's like another really key piece of human design that I feel like once someone knows their type, it's like, okay, now dive even deeper into the pool and understand your authority. So what are, what are authorities? That's a tongue twister. (laughs) Are they, and why are these really important for someone to know once they've actually figured out what their type is?
1: Yeah, of course. So authority is essentially your decision-making tool in human design. And this is really important because our reality is created by our daily decisions. And so most of us have become used to making decisions from our mind, our logical mind. However, our logical mind is not necessarily the most reliable um, source for decision-making because it's highly influenced by, you know, our conditioning and our fears. And it, talks us out of doing the things that are actually good for us, and you know those things that we want to do a lot of the time and we often try to make decisions that make you know logical sense to us or people external to us, but What makes sense logically isn't always going to be the best decision for us. And your mind is meant to be used not as a decision-making tool, but more as, you know, used to process and organize information to teach and to really allow you to share your gifts with other people. But when you use it for decision-making, it can become, you know, a recipe for disaster and really create more resistance and regret in our lives. And I know in my life, at least the best decisions definitely did not make the most logical sense, but always ended up working themselves out often without even any kind of logical explanation. And so there are seven different types of personal authority someone can have. Um, the first one being emotional, then we have sacral, we have splenic ego, self-projected environmental or mental Um, it's also called soundboarding, and lastly, lunar authority. And each of these really represents a different way or mode of making decisions. And I like to differentiate this from intuition specifically. Um, I see authority as how you're designed to best connect to your intuition for decision making. And the easiest way that I can explain this is through my phone charger analogy. (laughs) So please bear with me. But You know, your phone, your phone charger is a way that you can connect your phone to the power source so that it can recharge. And so in the context of authority, your authority is the way that you can connect yourself to your intuition or source so that you can come to your authentic truth. And so as an example, like for you, I believe you're a self-projected projector, right? I am. Yep. Yeah. And so for you, you know, you connect to your intuition and truth when it comes to decisions by talking it out loud to yourself or sometimes... Other people, so that you can hear yourself speak and really feel what your higher self wants. And you know, this is at least how I make the distinction between authority and intuition. And the more that we make decisions that are authentic to us, the more that we can align to our authentic self and our truth. And we naturally become our our, our higher self and live our purpose and what I've experienced so far is that the further I fall into that authentic state of being, even if it doesn't make logical sense, the more things just naturally fall into place and get to be easy.
0: Oh, yes. And I definitely, um, once I found out that I was like a self projected projector, (laughs) um, it made so much sense. And it kind of like explains what I'd naturally been doing. And I think for a lot of people, like some of us can naturally already be falling our authority and we may not even know it until we find out exactly that makes sense like why i do x y and z before i make a decision because for me i am definitely a talker and going back to the astrology piece (laughs) i have mercury and gemini so i'm definitely definitely a talker and so it's like even the decision to start a podcast like that wasn't necessarily Based off of, like, oh, I'm going to start a podcast to help me make decisions. And my, it was just like, I'm just going to talk. I like to talk. Like, let me sit down and talk. And it has sort of become this thing where I can take people who listen, like the listeners of the podcast along on my journey, help them on their journey. But also when I do talk on the podcast, I find that often there are breakthroughs or I have certain ideas come through or certain things will happen after I record an episode when I've been talking for a long period of time and I have these revelations. So it definitely goes hand in hand with my authority. And so I think learning about that and being able to sort of say like, this is the correct way for me to kind of like tap into, like you said, like plug into my intuition and plug into my higher self. Like it's been such a confirming, confirming, yeah. confirming experience. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talk right now, but yes, it's been really awesome to kind of like find that out and link it up to something that I already kind of intuitively knew was a way that I like to go about decision making.
1: Mm -hmm, that's amazing and it's true like it really gives you a way to intentionally use that and tap into that more because again like you said we are doing it whether we realize it or not and it's just that way to make it more intentional so that you can benefit from making the right decisions for you
0: exactly um love the intentional piece i actually was just listening to an oprah super soul conversation episode and she was diving into intention and how it's kind of like you know it's not about necessarily what you're doing, but it's kind of more so about the intention that you have behind the thing that you're doing. Cause that just carries oh, so much yes. power and so much weight. So Yeah. Um, In terms of the different types, I know that there are often like these memes that will float around on Instagram specifically that kind of will talk about the struggles of each type and specifically (laughs) um, as a projector, I can relate to when I first learned about human design, like seeing those memes about like waiting for the invitation or Mm -hmm. certain things that I didn't necessarily understand at the time that I saw as a struggle and I saw as something that made me you know, not necessarily want to be a projector. And that's why I kept taking the damn test over and over again. Like, oh my God, I don't want to be a projector. I want to be a manifester. I've heard but, that so um, many times. Yeah. Until I really like realized how beautiful it was to be a projector. So um curious, like what are, I guess, like the main struggles and let's put struggles in quotation marks because hello, we can reframe that, but like, what are the main struggles that each type has and how can each type begin to overcome these specific struggles that I guess they're stereotyped with?
1: Yeah, sure. So I guess each type has to deal with certain conditioning. And this is what causes them to go and act against their their nature, you know, what's totally natural and good for them, and then cause them to struggle. And so let's starting, let's start with generators. So for example, generators have to deal with the conditioning that you have to initiate and you have to go out there in order for things to happen. But they're not meant to initiate things just for the sake of initiating things. It's like they fear that if they take the step back, that nothing's going to happen. So they tend to be super busy and not necessarily productive or successful or fulfilled. And so in order to feel that success, that satisfaction that they seek and really overcome this conditioning, it's like they have to learn to apply their strategy of waiting to respond. In other words, you know, letting things come to them, such as these inspirations and requests and downloads um, and respond to them that way before they go and just do things for the sake of doing it. Because often when they're trying to like search for these things to do, that's when they wind up frustrated and that's when they wind up at this kind of roadblock. And so moving to manifesting generators, one thing that they have to deal with is, you know, this idea in society that we have to pick this one thing and live this linear life, but because they're multi-passionate, it's actually super healthy for them. And it's actually very important for them to honor those urges and to act on them because that's part of their unique path. That's what gives them this unique perspective that no one has. And the key for them is really to make sure, again, to like also wait to respond similar, like just like a generator, but also to only choose to engage in the things that do light them up or bring them closer to where they envision themselves to be. And so when we look at the projector, you know, we have to deal with this conditioning that you have to initiate and you have to hustle in order to be successful. And that's why like a lot of the times when you first find out that you're your projector and you have to wait for the invitation, it's kind of off-putting and it feels so disempowering because you're like, what? I can initiate. What does that mean? And so the thing is they don't have that sustainable energy like a generator or a manifesting generator. So when they try to keep up, they often find themselves burnt out and exhausted and, you know, bitter, resentful, jealous, because they're not getting those same results that they see other people getting. And so the key for them is to make sure to implement their strategy of waiting for the invitation. And that's how they get to use their energy efficiently and honor their need for rest. And so when we go to the manifestor, they deal with the conditioning. Uh, You know, a lot of them have had child issues of having been controlled and people telling them like, you're not powerful or you're not in control of your destiny, basically. And, you know, they play down their power. And so a lot of the times, like as adults, they have trouble communicating because they move so fast and they fear that if they tell others what they're doing, then they're just going to be controlled. And so The key for them, what they struggle with is like, you know, maintaining that harmony with their relationships. So the key for them is to inform the people who are going to be affected by their decisions and initiate those things that they do want. It's not asking for permission, but it's just informing so that they do have this ability to maintain that harmony in their relationships. And then so lastly, you have your projector who you know, it's like, we're told in society that we have to know who we are. We have to be like this one fixed, consistent way. And so a lot of reflectors, because they're so sensitive and they have no fixed way of being, like they have no fixed and consistent energy within them. uh, They can tend to feel overstimulated and outcasted or misunderstood. And some have a tendency to like hold on to these ideas of how things should be, because that's what makes them feel more comfortable. And when they cling onto these ideals and cling on to these ways of being that we're kind of being taught, that's when they start to feel disappointed when they try to maintain this idea our fixed way of doing and living. And the key for them really to overcome that is to honor their fluidity and their, you know, ever changing identity and know that this is totally authentic for them. They don't have to be one fixed way. Like they're meant to be so many different things and experience so many different things. And the key for them is also to just make sure that they're in the right environment and that they protect their energy because they do have all this openness in their, in their design. And they're constantly just taking in energy from everywhere. And so it's also important for them to not feel rushed into making decisions. Like in today's society, we're kind of pressured, I guess you could say to make these quick decisions. And this is why they, they need to apply their strategy and really reflect on things and you know wait that 28-day lunar cycle before making a decision. And so yeah, those are the, I would say like the main struggles. I mean, there's probably, there's definitely a lot more, but those are the the main struggles and really how you can kind of overcome them using your authority or sorry, using your strategy.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely, there were two things I heard that um, I loved. And one was the projector piece, obviously, you know, as a projector um, mm-hmm. for the the waiting for the invitation. And one thing I can't remember where I saw this, it was definitely on Instagram somewhere, you know, my little scrolling <laughs> session. But I came across something that talked about how we can understand or start to see Um, when we get those like inspired ideas as an invitation. And I feel like since I saw that, I have been able to uh, reframe how I see waiting for the invitation. Because often, like you said, we're kind of thinking that means like you have to wait for this external invite, like someone has to, you know, text you or someone has to ask you for something or invite you to something literally and physically. But I think also just understanding that, an invitation can come in a different shape and form. It can come in, you know, maybe you get this idea that you do want to start something and that itself is an invitation. Like it doesn't necessarily have to come from outside of you. And exactly. I to understand that I was like, I'm always getting invited to things. Right. And, and then that's when you can start to see it as, you know, um, it, it just helped with my bitterness personally, because I yeah, like me getting an invite for myself is a valid invite,
1: Mm -hmm. you know? I I totally agree.
0: Yeah. And another thing you said that I loved was just, um, and you mentioned this with multiple different types actually, is the multi-passionate piece or the piece that you don't necessarily have to fit into one box. And I think that's something that we've talked about so much on this podcast and how, um, yeah, I think that, you know, often... We were taught, and I think a lot of people were taught, you know, growing up, it's like, okay, you go to school, you do this one thing, you follow this one path, you don't stray from that path. And that is supposed to be stable. And that was supposed to be sort of like the traditional... Version of adulting is like staying and sticking to that one thing and not straying from it because that would be seen as irresponsible. But I think that now we're starting to see like it's okay to follow different passions of ourselves. And it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you follow a passion and it has to lead to this lucrative business or this lucrative hobby or this lucrative thing or has to lead to X, Y, and Z. Like following a passion can just be to follow something that you want to do, it can just be like you doing something just for fun. And I feel like that's something that we need to remember because, you know, following a passion doesn't need to have a, a huge result for it to be successful. I think just even having fun and allowing yourself to explore and allowing yourself to play in this life is like a successful venture.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree with that. Like you have to, I always say like, when you get these urges, I feel like that's the universe holding a torch and leading the way and telling you to follow. Um, And we're not taught that enough that it's okay to follow these different things or to be certain ways. And, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes when we cling on to this idea that we have to do one thing or be one, one type of person for some people, that gives them a sense of comfort because it can be, you know, it can be scary if you're thinking like, Oh my God. Um, life can literally be so many different things like that for some people can be a source of uncertainty and like an, a source of of fear. Mm-hmm. And so like, it, it's all about learning to really find what is good for you, like what feels authentic for you and leaning into that.
0: Agreed. Yeah. And um, literally for, like you said, for some people, it can be kind of like overwhelming to kind of realize the, The amount of possibilities out there. So, um, you know, maybe that's not like the thing for them, but just know that it can be for some people really exciting to realize they can follow multiple different things and not have to stick to one specific path. But I'm curious, when we talked about sort of the main struggles of each type, would you describe that as like the karma that each type has to focus on in this life? I heard someone phrase it as this. Um, I was DMing someone about human design, and I think she referenced Jenna Zoe, Jenna Zoe, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how you say her last name. Um, But she was talking about how I think as a generator, I believe part of her karma was to understand and learn how to set boundaries, especially because generators can be the type to work a lot. And especially if you're in maybe like say a corporate environment, like you could find yourself taking on a ton of work that you don't necessarily want to take on because you may not have the ability to set those boundaries to say, hey, I can't do X, Y, and Z, even though I am this like powerhouse workhorse person. Like I can't can't do all of this. So what I guess is the specific karma in that sense that each person or each type rather is meant to focus on in this life and how can they begin to work on that in their, in their everyday life? Is it similar again to the struggles we talked about earlier?
1: Yeah, I would say it's pretty simple. It's similar to that. And yeah, I would agree with the generator, um, needing to set boundaries because there are people that tend to take advantage of their energy. But I think that like, I wouldn't say each type necessarily has one specific karma they're meant to focus on in this lifetime. Um, but on an individual level, you can definitely determine what challenges and, you know, therefore lessons you're here to learn through your open centers in your human design chart. Um, so this would give you a more kind of detailed look at what those specific lessons, um, are for you. And so in other words, you know, those centers that are not colored in, in your chart. So for each energy center, similar to the chakras, um, they're associated with a specific theme and therefore lessons if they're open. So because when they're open, that's where we're more sensitive to conditioning from the outside world and where we're more sensitive to picking up you know, energy and beliefs from other people and, you know, conditioning from our environment. And so, for example, you know, the ego center, so that heart center is all about willpower, self-worth and self-esteem and people with an open ego are often out there doing things to prove their worth. You know, you see a lot of entrepreneurs that tend to overwork so that they can feel good enough and feel worthy. And, you know, while it's okay to want that achievement, um, you know, there comes a point where it becomes, unhealthy. And so the lesson for open egos is to understand that you don't have to prove anything to anyone. You already are worthy. And so when you become aware of your open centers and those themes that are attached to them, those patterns, you can start to observe, you know, how they start to influence your decision making and do things that aren't authentic to to you or are not in your best interest. So like let's say um, you know, we were just talking about the generator and needing to set boundaries. Essentially, anyone with an open solar plexus, for example, might have people pleasing tendencies. And so they might end up taking on things that, you know, they don't want to do, but they just don't set those boundaries. And they don't say no because they fear of what's going to happen if they say yes. Or like, you know, they want to avoid those uncomfortable feelings because as an op- with an open solar plexus, you are constantly taking in the emotions of other people and you're amplifying it. So, um, yeah, like that need to set boundaries. I feel like that's something that can apply to all of the types, but again, I can definitely see how it would also apply to generators because of their kind of wealth of energy. Um, but I would, I would love, like, I would definitely love to explore that more. Um, I've never actually heard of using karma as a, as a way to kind of dig into that, but that sounds very interesting. Um, But anyways, I also feel that this is where you can supplement human design and your own deconditioning process through other healing techniques and modalities to help you really target those core beliefs that are causing you to react from your conditioning, your limiting beliefs and your fear to begin with. Like, I feel like it's just something that you can definitely look at more holistically. So using human design to maybe bring awareness to those things and obviously like, you know, implement that strategy and authority, but also supplement it with other modalities.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree. And like I said, the the karma piece, I think I also heard it on the on a podcast episode as well, the Almost 30 podcast, because they had Jenna on the episode and she did phrase it that way as well. And that was like a very interesting way for me to kind of, understand it or have it phrased and explained yeah. because very so much it, it's like kind of looking at your type like you can start to form an idea of what are some of the things that you could work on in this lifetime based on where you know again your quote-unquote struggles are right and where your strengths are but I think understanding the way you just explained it understanding where the open centers are and that each open center kind of has this theme that you can maybe um start to realize like, okay, I have this open center, like I can focus on X, Y, and Z. And I think what's really important too, or not even important, I think, again, this might have been in the podcast I listened to, but for someone like a reflector who I believe they have all open centers, it's like, that's a lot of stuff. Stimulation. Right? That's a lot of stimulation. Yeah. But then that's a lot of like stuff they can work on, I guess, based on Um, if we're saying like, you know, each open center could possibly indicate some deconditioning work you have to do. So in your opinion, would that mean that someone who has more closed centers in this life has less deconditioning to do, or is it just like a different, or, or are they more so focused more on like one type of deconditioning?
1: Yeah, I would say,
0: yeah,
1: like I would say, um, you know, like we're all here to learn different things and you can like some people like to think. I guess some people have this idea that if you have more open centers, you're you're screwed. Like it's a bad thing, but really, your open centers are going to be your deepest sources of wisdom. And I think that's the most powerful part. Like if you have a lot of open centers, you're here to be wise, and you're here to share your lessons and your experiences with other people. Um, and I guess with reflectors specifically, they also have this certain resiliency to them. So even though they have all these open centers, um, a lot of the reflectors that I've worked with tend to be very self-aware and like they tend to observe all of these different lessons and these patterns with other people, but not necessarily act on them. So they tend to also be very resilient in that sense to the conditioning around them. But again, like it's all just potential. Like some people obviously might be more, you know, I guess, developed in like from a personal development, personal development standpoint. Um, so these are all just like potentials where you have these open and defined centers. Um, and I think, you know, when we look at people with more definition, they're here, they're here to play a different role. Like they're here to share really like all the things like that are fixed and consistent with them. And they're here to really share that energy with other people. Um, but I wouldn't also necessarily say that they're like less prone to conditioning because I think that you can have someone who has all these defined centers, but still act in a very, I guess, conditioned way. Um, And I guess that also for me shows that we're all here and we all have different paths. So like, there's not, you know, someone with more open centers and defined centers is better than the other. We all just have different things that we are meant to really bring to the table and share with other people.
0: Yeah, I think that's really important to note because I, again, I think when you're looking at something like human design or, um, you know, a Myers-Briggs test or Enneagram, it can be very easy to like look at some of these, again, struggles or weaknesses and run with that and feel disempowered. So really good that we just explained that open centers or more, more open centers don't necessarily mean that, you know you're you're screwed like you said or yeah exactly um be like a victim it's like it can indicate wisdom it can also show you where you're working on things I think what's really cool too is that just because you are working on deconditioning or like working on a specific thing doesn't necessarily mean that you can't share wisdom in that area and that's one thing where I feel like um where I feel like there are people here who lead because they're able to show up and be vulnerable and show you where they are working on things show you what they have learned and show you how far they have to go with their learning and I think that's such a powerful way to walk with someone on their journey and walk alongside them versus kind of like you know having someone lead you who's like okay you know I've already overcome all this stuff and I'm just gonna be here helping you and I don't have anything to work on because I'm perfect (laughs) that's just kind of like I think we're walking into a new era where, you know, the vulnerable leader, the one who walks amongst everyone is Mm -hmm. more, is able to share stories and um, help people in a much more potent and powerful way than someone who's just kind of like standing, you know, above people as if they're God, because that really (laughs) is helpful for anyone, but um Yeah, so you kind of touched on this a little bit, but how can we all begin to use human design to kind of live a more aligned life? And I'd love to know what are some of the practical ways that you've been able to infuse human design into your everyday life. And I know you also mentioned in your business as well. So I kind of love to know um, how you do that in a practical way.
1: Yeah. So I guess I always recommend by experimenting with your strategy and authority. And so where you can start really is, you know, ask yourself, where are you facing resistance right now in your life? So where are you facing that exhaustion, that burnout? Um, your not self theme of whatever it is, frustration, disappointment, anger, bitterness. And these are your signs as to whether or not something's out of balance, something's out of alignment. And that's where you can really start to pinpoint what needs to be changed or if something needs to be changed, because like, you don't have to go and change everything just for the sake of um, changing it. I feel like it's best to kind of see where you're having trouble and then start experimenting little by little. And then where you see that you're acting out of alignment to your human design strategy. So for example, if you are constantly initiating and doing all this work as a projector and you're starting to feel that bitterness or that jealousy or resentment when you're not getting the results that you want, like here's where you would want to start with experimenting with your strategy. And so one of the common things that I've seen and that I've experienced myself with my business is, you know, that, tendency to just constantly initiate and do too much and initiate really because that's what we're taught and do too much because that also kind of helps us feel more comfortable. Like, you know, we're going to reach our goals faster if we do more. Um, and really it's learning to, because we are, you know, we're here to really experience that success and it's really learning to do things and take that step back and not, you know what I mean? Like just not do things because we have to do them, but do them because they are aligned to what we want. And so action, like when it comes to projectors and generators, it's like often what we do to try to make ourselves feel better because we have it in our heads that the more that we do, the sooner we'll achieve like X, Y, Z. And so we fear that if we take a step back, that nothing's going to happen. Like I mentioned earlier with generators, it's like they have this fear that if they do nothing, then nothing's going to happen. But the thing is that when we are in this constant state of doing, um, we create this resistance and create this, you know, Just where we fill ourselves to the energetic brim, and we don't allow for things to come to us. So, like when you think of law of attraction, it's like we need to create that space for things to come to us. Otherwise, we get frustrated, we get exhausted, um, or we get burnt out. And so, it's really important to just start experimenting with your strategy. And so, I'll give you an example in my business. Um, You know, when I first started. I was constantly just hearing things like, if you want to get visible on Instagram, you need to go into the hashtags. You need to like, like everyone's photos and you need to leave all these valuable comments and like just all of these really energy exhausting, um, tactics, I guess you could say that we're taught and, you know, you need to go out there and be more like active if you want other people to notice you. And so that tactic, that strategy goes totally against what, my design is because as a projector, I, first of all, don't have that energetic capacity to keep up that high level of activity. And then secondly, it just didn't feel authentic to me. Like I didn't use my authority to really say, uh, to say no to, to doing this. And so for one, it's like, you know, experimenting with your strategy and taking a step back in doing the things that don't feel right for us. And then also like listening to your authority, if something doesn't feel right, trust that, lean into it and find something else. And so what I did was I was pretty much just decluttering my business of all the things that I thought I should be doing that were energy exhausting for me and like pretty much said bye to everything that I could. And the, for obviously the things that I couldn't, so when it comes to visibility and like lead generation, I can't necessarily just say goodbye to that. I had to find other, or I guess, other strategies that are more aligned to my energy. So for me, it was leaning into the things that I loved and that I was good at. And that was like, you know, content creation and collaborations. Those are the two main things that I felt were more energetically aligned to me. And that ended up working for me. So once I started to like give myself, first of all, permission to take a step back and to stop initiating and stop doing all these tactics that just weren't aligned for me, that's when I stopped feeling overwhelmed. And that's when I was, you know, able to, actually see and believe that you don't need to be constantly doing things in order to get where you want or need to be. And then you start to learn to manage your energy efficiently and leverage that magnetism to draw the right things and opportunities to you without the constant hustle. And so, yeah, like, I think I, kind of touched on authority in there but you know when it comes to making decisions in your business learn to rely on your authority or sorry like business and life for anyone who's not a business owner if your authority is telling you no then respect it and follow it and i feel like the more that you learn to rely on this the louder your intuition becomes and the more you feel that you can trust it
0: yeah so i really love that piece especially when you touched on sort of like the business aspect and um what people were telling you had to do because I also used to see that a lot like the you know you have to comment you have to like spend 30 minutes to an hour a day commenting on other people's stuff yeah liking other people's stuff like engaging and when you think of it from like a strategy standpoint like I understand you know what that would lead to it's like if you comment on someone's thing, like sometimes you're like, Okay, who's that? and they come over to your page and you know they might like your stuff and follow you or like your stuff or DM you or whatever it is and kind of like indicate to the platform that your account is important and people love to engage with your account. But again, from a projector standpoint, like I just could not. I, I remember I did it for like two days and I was like, Yeah, I'm not about place. like I can't. <laughs> i, that I can't do this and then also too like you said it just feels inauthentic like if i come across something on instagram and i love i will naturally comment and my comment will just hold so much weight exactly. because i'm like putting a million emojis i'm like oh my god exc- exclamation marks to the moon like i get very excited but if i'm just commenting because i'm like okay this is my 35 out of 100 comments for the day i need to keep going like it's <laughs> yeah. not gonna be good So I love that you kind of were like, "Um, no, we're not about that. Let's lean into what we actually do like. And I think- that is where you end up as a projector. And I think as anyone getting the best results because you show up just better. Like if you're doing the stuff that you Mm -hmm. like, you're going to show up better. And I used to like do like all the lives and just be on Instagram story all the time. And like now I do Instagram stories all the time, but a lot of times like people don't see me. Like I really like that I can just be in my robe, in my pajamas, like my hair is in my satin cap. And I can be typing up a storm on Instagram story because I really feel called, to share something but I don't necessarily feel called to show up and show my face to share it because I'm like I'm in my satin cup like I really don't I'm not here to show up right now Mm in that way so I, I love that like finding what you know works best for you and running with that and not necessarily like doing the things that everyone says you have to do because it worked for them I think It works for them if it works for them, but it may not work for you. And it's all about like experimenting, having fun and finding what works for you. So I I really do like that you mentioned the business piece. I know there are probably some people listening who have been told the same thing and they may be following that advice and pushing and not seeing the results that they want from it. And it's because, you know, it's that resistance. You're pushing, you're creating some Mm -hmm. really like awkward, like icky energy um, that we don't love. So um, I would love to know if you can sum up in like maybe one sentence or like a couple sentences, just like really potent. Um, How has human design changed your life or shifted your
1: perspective? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Um, Okay. So I guess if we were to sum it down to a couple sentences, the first thing that it changed was on a practical level. And that was like how to manage my energy in a way that was correct for me. Um, And then the second thing that it changed was more on a personal and spiritual level. And that was really learning more about myself, seeing my potential, learning to trust myself and get back into total alignment with my higher self, my purpose and my business. And like learning to surrender and lean into that. And I think those are the two biggest transformations for me with implementing human design
0: yeah and those are too huge, <laughs> um, yeah those are very large transformations. They're very simple, I think in nature, but often it's just the very simple things that can change our entire lives and um, that's amazing. I love that and I think human design has done something very similar for me, just kind of like again, learning to manage my energy um and having having a something to explain. Things that I intuitively knew, but couldn't necessarily put like a name behind or like really explain in words, like human design gave me the words, gave me the phrases, gave me the, the understandings and the blueprint to understand what it is that I was always feeling and always knew, but just didn't know how to put into words. So this has been such an amazing conversation, Crystal. And I am so excited that we were able to have this conversation and that everyone listening has been able to learn a little bit more about human design and about you and your business. And for anyone listening who's interested in either working with you, learning from you, all the things, can you let us know how uh, folks can reach you and work with you? Obviously, all your links will be in the show notes, but if you could do kind of like a, a little spiel for us, we'd love to kind of get of get
1: that info. Yeah. Sure. No problem. So yeah, currently I do one-to-one human design reading. So this includes a 60 minute zoom call and a customized 30 page human design blueprint for your own learning and reference. I know it's like packed with stuff because you know, there's so much to learn and human design is a journey. So I wanted to make sure that you're set So even after that 60 minute call, you have something that you can look back to. And so in January, I'll actually also be offering um, one-to-one business by design intensives to really help people get totally in alignment with their business and their business strategies through human design, um, doing similar activities to what we kind of talked about today. And yeah, the best place to reach me, I think is Instagram, since my website is currently undergoing a total overhaul. And yeah, my handle is at crystal alferrero, and you can reach out to me in the DMs or just come and hang out. And I do respond to my messages and I promise I'm nice. So Um, you can also find me on YouTube where I teach all human design basics, including, you know, an overview of the energy types in more detail. So if you're wanting to deepen your understanding of human design, I definitely start there as well.
0: Yes. And I just looked at your readings because I don't know why I didn't realize like you had these readings and uh, like, I I don't know, I'm clearly living in the dark, (laughs) but (laughs) that is so awesome. I love that. And, um, Just in case any of you with the holidays coming up, well, actually, I I think this episode might go up in January, but you know, it's still the holidays time in January, just because there's snow on the ground where I am. But um, if you want to gift a reading, you have that option too, which I think is so dope. Because sometimes, like, I'll want to get a reading, but I kind of want like someone to give me the reading as a gift. Yeah, I love that you have that option, especially for people who um, are friends with someone who's very spiritual, and they're like, I don't know what to get this person. Hello, gift them a human sign reading like they would love that I would love that
1: just yeah oh if you're into like
0: listening yeah
1: (laughs) if you're into any of that stuff like astrology tarot whatever it is like you'll be mind blown by human design as well
0: I I completely agree and I think a 60-minute reading and then a 30-page pdf follow-up is truly amazing um it's a great value for just kind of like what you have it priced at so I think it's an amazing option I will link all of those things down below. Um, So you can check out Crystal on Instagram, get that reading, gift that reading, you know, for any of Mm -hmm. you. Again, my friends and family listening, hello. (laughs) But um, thank you again for joining me for today's episode. It has been the most amazing pleasure. I've loved having you on.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Deandra. Yeah, I had a lot of fun today. So thanks for the opportunity.
0: Hi, my love.